Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So I want to I want to talk to you about trials. And you probably don't even need this sermon. Uh, but I'm warming it up for next service, okay? Because none of you in here have ever faced stuff that came out of the blue that you didn't expect. None of you have ever just woken up one day and all of a sudden, bing, the phone rings, a text comes in, an email comes in, doctor's office call. I mean, you've never, you've never had a trial, right? 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 No one? By the way, are there any takers in here? You've had a couple trials in your days? Yeah, yeah. Uh, any, usually we're either about to enter a trial, we're in a trial, or we're coming out of a trial. Those are the three things I've learned. When people give their life to Jesus, the hardest thing for Jesus to do is give his life to you. Let me explain why. Because most of us think we already have life. It's hard to give somebody something that they already think they have. It's like trying to teach somebody a skill that they, oh, I've already got it wired, and you go, you do not. Or you're trying to teach a, a young person something, and they go, I, I know all there is to know. I, I'm 16. What else could I learn, right? So I want to just start by using this great verse. It's so familiar, John 10.10. 10. Uh, let's read it when it comes up. Here we go. A thief comes to steal and kill, and, but I came to give life and life in all of its fullness. I come to give you life, but if you think you already have life, then hmm, good luck. Uh, some people say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus so I can have abundant life and I can have all my trials stop. And yet he says, be of good cheer. You're going to face difficulties, tribulation, he even calls it in one verse. I have overcome the world. Now, uh, James chapter 1 is where I'd like to start this morning. So if you have a Bible, let's go to the goodly, godly book of James chapter 1. And here's a phrase. Just let it percolate for a moment. Consider it pure joy, not fabricated joy, not the joy of a euphoric moment where, you know, you're, you're, you're in the right setting or all your family's around you, you feel good, or, or you went to uh, Disneyland and uh, you paid too much and you had a euphoric moment, right? Uh, this is not fabricated. This is a pure joy. It's purity. It's in its purest form. Consider it the most powerful, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face what? Trials. Uh, the word, you're not going to like this word joy. The word joy is to be grateful it's you. Oh, Lord, I'm grateful it's me that's going through this trial. I rejoice in pure joy, that I'm facing this difficulty, trials of many kind. The Greek word literally means shapes, sizes, and colors. It's multicolored. It may not be the same as someone else. It may not feel the same as someone else. It may not look like anyone else's trial. So don't you dare say, well, I understand because I've been through that. Yes, you have, but you haven't been through it being them. It's different. And for every testing, it's different. And the testing is of your faith that produces perseverance. I don't think there's a person here that woke up this morning and said, dear Lord, give me perseverance. Really? You might have said, dear, dear Lord, give me a good day. You might have said, dear Lord, let my life be a gift to someone today. But that you would produce perseverance and let perseverance, read on, finish its <coughs> work so that you may be mature and 
not lacking anything. See, all of us are on our way to, to someplace and becoming someone. And he says, through trials that we consider joy, and when we face them, we don't run from them. We don't push back. We don't insulate or isolate. We actually deal with the trial as it comes our way. Then there's a maturity inside of us. We become complete and we don't lack anything. Just think about that. Now, he's not talking about lacking anything being uh, your, your, your position in life or your possessions. He's talking about your spirit, that inside of you, you don't lack the faith that you need to become the person that he's called you to be. And somehow he takes the word joy and puts it on the same line with the word trials. I think that's fascinating. Because who else would do this? You know, hey, when you go through tough stuff, you know, may the Lord be with you, right? Uh, when you go through difficulties, may God give you peace and comfort. He says, hey, hey, whenever you go through trials, consider it joy. So just write this down, testing to rise above. When we are tested, it gives us the ability to rise above where we've been, where we are, and where we're limited. See, trials are not created to show us what we are not, but rather to show us what we are. A lot of people go, well, if trial's coming, it's, it's got to be negative. No, 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 it's, it's a positive. So yesterday, I had you greet each other and say, I didn't see it either in reference to the mission to Mars. Um, I, I got up really early. How many got up? Okay. Um, I, I got up at a quarter to two, and I drove to Vandenberg, where I met um, a bunch of distinguished visitors and saw all the buses. I mean, they were just people from everywhere. People from Mars came to see the mission <laughs> to Mars. And there was people, of course, gathered. Some of you went to the airport and some of you might have gone to St. Mary's or some of you might have just stepped out on the, the front lawn or whatever. But I went out to the Rod and Gun Club on the base, if you know where that is, and sat in some bleachers, a little cold wind. Uh, thank God there was TVs set up by our wonderful uh, airmen from the Air Force, they were out there, and uh, uh, they actually gave us muffins and coffee. That was so cool. I thought it was so great. And there were these little kids out there, Mission to Mars lanyards, looking up at the fog bank. <laughs> this one lady from Reno, she was really glad to be there. Another lady from Clearview, California, she said, oh, yeah, my son's an engineer. He told me I had to come. Have you ever seen a rocket before? Never have. I go, well, you probably won't today either. And... Uh, <laughs> But we saw a little bit of a glow, and then we, 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 we heard it. And then when you sit out there that close, you really feel the rumble. I mean, we're really close out there, you know, where we get to, get to be seated and stuff. And, and so um, th th this particular thing went up in the space. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's insight, and it, it's going to take six months, 1,300 miles an hour. It's going to take six months to get there. You do the math. Um, and I'm just amazed. I was talking to a, a gentleman from Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and I go, sir, I, I can get my mind around a rocket going up. I understand fuel, liquid, and solid. I understand that. Because years ago, I, I had a little rocket. Have you ever had one little, little, it went up, little parachute came down, little Lego man inside, little mini G.I. Joe, and he landed. I said, look, I'm, I'm somebody, you know? So I understand that, but I don't understand how you get it to get in the right orbit so that on November 26th, come on now, Get your brain, start to in gear. On November 26th, it's going to come down and it's going to have a parachute and at five miles an hour, it's going to touch down. Think, I mean, hello? Aren't you amazed at the human being ability to figure out this stuff? Okay, some of you go, well, you know, we, just, we see rockets all the time. This is incredible. 
And notice what it's going to do. It's going to send down a big old drill and a probe to see what's below the surface. It's going to check the surface out. Um, we know that there's earthquakes on Mars. There's seismic activity. So there's seismic counters that are on this thing. And, and it's going to be up there for like two years and send us data because in about two or three or four or 500 years, that's where we're going to live. Because I met this other guy from Jet Propulsion Laboratory who said we've pretty much uh, developed a timeline for planet Earth and, and its ability to sustain human life. So we're actually starting now to think ahead and plan ahead and, um, and see if there's any Martians up there. And Because and, uh, here's what this guy told me. He goes, he, he, that's, that, the, the air will be so polluted, the water will be so polluted, the, the, the nutrients will be out of the soil, we won't be able to live on this planet. So to sustain humanity, we got to find other places to go. And, and, and some of you are going, I don't care. Because I won't be here. Because you won't. And I don't know if you knew this or not. 300, 400, 500 years, you will not be here. Everybody in this room will not be here. Ooh. Okay. Move on, Pastor. Sure. Can I, can I show you that God, every once in a while, wants to send something like this into your soul? To find out your surface, the facade, what you show everybody you are, and then drill down in to see what you're made of. He wants to see, I tied it in somehow. He, he, wants, he wants to send data to you and you go, well, what does that mean? That, that's why James says, that's why you need wisdom. When he's talking about, about wisdom, he's not talking about wisdom just for your life. It's in the context of if you lack wisdom, ask God. In the middle of a trial, you ask God, what is this all about, Lord? What are you drilling down for? What are you trying to find in me? I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, he says, we, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Now, I know some people signed up to follow Jesus because they want to live trouble-free lives, but that's not true. Let some other pastor tell you, give your life to Jesus and all your problems will stop. It won't be this guy, because I have problems too. I have trials too. I have issues too. Somebody said, no way. Yes, yes way. And here's the Apostle Paul. We call him St. Paul. We, we call him one of the strongest Christians who ever walked the planet. He said, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. You ever been there? So that we were despaired of life itself. In other words, do we even want to go on with life? Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened. Oh, here comes wisdom now. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will... You see, when wisdom comes in, faith can grow. Wisdom comes in, but this happened so that we would rely on God, and then the faith comes in. He's delivered us, and he will do it again. He's delivered us, and he will do it again. Because God is more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. Let's have perseverance, James 1.4, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. See, we, we, we can look at testings like the, the work of a, of a muscle. And uh, you all, I, I know this. Uh, muscles that aren't worked uh, will atrophy. 
Now, I know I don't look like it, but when I was in high school, I ran cross country, and it was really cool because there was a bunch of athletes in our first uh, service, some of our student athletes, some of, some of them who've gotten scholarships for football and such. They were all here, you know. They were, they were getting into this part. So for their sake, let me repeat it. We uh, used to run from our high school to Griffith Park. I grew up in Burbank. Some of you know where that is, not, near, not far from the LA Zoo. We would run seven miles from the high school to our training ground. And our training ground was Griffith Park Hills, and we would actually race trash trucks up the hill. And you might go, oh, I could beat a trash truck, but could you do it 25 times? And it's L.A., and it's hot, and it's summertime, and it's on the smoggy side, and we're running up these hills, and these trash trucks are spewing out their diesel, going up the hill with their full load. And our coach was on the top, sitting on the hood of his car with a bullhorn saying, go, boys, go. We used to say, easy for you, bucko. You got a little shade. You got your, your, you know, your igloo cooler, and you're hanging out, and you're yelling, go, boys, go. And he always told us when we ran, stay loose in the face, because when you run and you tighten up your face and the rest of your body starts to tighten up, when you tighten up, you, you are using too much energy and strength for not going as fast as you could go. So we had to do this. They loosen the face. When he said that, everybody had to do this. And we would run up to him. And 20, 25 times. And then run seven miles back to school. And we would say to him, uh, Coach, this is too much. And he would say, all of this is so you can have the big E, endurance. Without the flexing of your muscles, taking your muscles to the very limit, without hurting them, but to the very limit, that's where you get your endurance and, and, and your perseverance. And this is what James is telling us, when we are working out in our faith, going through difficulties inside of us, something great begins to happen. We get stronger. There's an old hymn of the church that goes something like this, what doesn't kill you makes you... Okay. First service knew it. They all, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. They were all singing. Okay. Life can take everything from you except for who you are on the inside and relationship with God. We find this through the story of Job. When everything gets stripped away from him, he still has his faith in God and he won't curse God. He won't say, I regret the day I was born. Well, he kind of does. But, he, but he's able to say, I won't curse God at all. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be what? Given you. Hey, God, teach me. Show me. Why am I going through this? What's this about? And that's the wisdom to rise above. He gives it to us when we lack it. Now, what if a trial and a challenge and a difficulty was an open door to the next thing that God wanted you to do in your life. Let me just stop for a moment. Well, I'm going through something difficult right now, and you're, you're camped on the difficulty. Rather than saying, what if this was an open door to something bigger and greater and better? I think sometimes when trials hit us, we put on the brakes, we see a red light, and we go, I'm, gonna, I'm just stuck here. I'm just stuck here. I'm going to insulate myself, isolate myself, and I'm not going to move on, and I'm not going to grow, and I'm just... I'm going to revolt, and I'm going to just retaliate and just forget it. And there's actually people who, in this moment that I'm describing, walk away from God, isolate themselves from family and friends, and don't want to be challenged. 
But what if we said, what if we as LFC said, you know what, Lord, whenever a trial comes our way, we're going to learn and we're going to see it as an open door to something that you want to do in us that you can't do unless we go through this. Goliath, what a story. David kills this giant. You all know it. But remember that he killed a lion and a bear in private before he ever killed Goliath in public. He had two incredible challenges. He has to kill a bear with his bare hands. And what did that prove to him? That God can do anything. I can do all things through this God that I follow. And so when David's out there, you know, with the Philistine and all the Israel army, you know, the, the, the special forces were hiding out in bushes for fear of their lives, David comes and stands on the battlefield confident in his God. Why? Because he had trials before this. He had a bear and he had a lion. He had difficulties that he faced before that prepared him for the day he was in. Many of you know um, Rick and Kay Warren. They pastor a Saddleback Church, and Rick Warren, of course, uh, wrote the book that sold the most copies in the history of books, except for the Bible, Purpose Driven Life. No other book has sold more. And his wife, Kay, writes a book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. I like this. And she writes in her book about James chapter 1 that we're looking at today. And she says, my first reaction is usually anger, despair, or bitterness, not joy or thankfulness for the gift of difficulties. Now, notice she calls it a gift. And when I react like that, I get disappointed in how far I still have to go to become a mature woman of God. But that's exactly the point James is making. We hate the process that makes us like Christ because it involves pain, sorrow, stress, and upheaval. Yet we all want the product, spiritual maturity. We just don't like the process. James tells us not to try to wiggle out of the hard times too soon. If we do, we will short-circuit the process and remain immature little babies. I don't want to be a spiritual or an emotional baby any longer. Do you? I want my faith life to be sturdy and strong, mature and well-developed. I'm willing to let trials and troubles expose my faith life so I will know to stay on the path until I'm finished. I want my true colors to be revealed. I love that. Now, some of you know Kay's story. It was just a few years ago that uh, Rick and Kay's son uh, committed suicide. They went through a horrible time. Uh, he was dealing with mental health issues, and, uh, and here she is, fast-forwarding now, a few years later, writing a book about choose joy because happiness isn't enough, and she's saying, God, even if I go through the worst of the worst, what will you produce in me? Now, usually when trials and tribulations come, we want to start having a debate. And I've gotten caught in this with many people. Does, does God bring bad stuff to good people? Do, 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 does God bring trials? Well, if you live in a different country, you would say yes. But in North America, where we're pretty comfortable, capital C, uh, in our faith, uh, we, we kind of say, well, I don't know. I don't know. Now, here, here's what I do know. Some trials are just because of life. Some trials are because of the decisions we've made. Some trials are because of other people's decisions that were made for us. And some trials are the ones that God sends your way. There's all kinds. So rather than try to debate on... Is, does God do this? What the trial is? I mean, I get questions almost weekly from people. My friend is suffering. Did God bring the suffering? I mean, I, this is all the time. We hear this all the time. And my answer is usually, I don't know. 
reply. I don't know. Really? That's what we got from the pastor? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I usually add something. And here's what I add. But what's God going to teach you through this? What is God going to do through your life? Rather than seeing it as the end, what if you saw it as an open door, something else around the corner, a new mountain to climb, a new venture, new career, new experience, a new faith, a new desire to serve others and share my, my faith with other people, a new heart to pray with people, a new heart to, to, to be the person I've never been before, an individual that God can use to be mature and strong to be the best husband, the best wife, the best brother, the best son, the best daughter, the, the, the best friend, the, the best servant at LFC, the best Christian on the planet. I mean, now many of us um, know about life and, and some of you are, you know, farmer types. Uh, you're into, you know, you know about chickens and all that stuff. Um, I don't have any chickens at my house. I eat chickens, and, uh, but I don't have any chickens. But many of you have seen chickens like, you know, isn't that cute? That's just cute. Now, if you know anything about chickens, you, you know this is a fallacy. Because chickens, as you show us the next slide, come out more looking like this. Am I right, Ray? Right. Yeah, right. Thanks, Ray. Yeah. And many of you know this story. If the chicken doesn't go through the pecking of the shell and the hard work to get out of that shell, their circulatory system cannot develop. If, they, if, if you actually crack the egg and let them out, I mean, they may, may, may survive. But if they go through the process of, let me out of here, it's a trial. Just, just, this is your life. Look at this is your life. This is your life on eggs right here, right? Remember that old commercial, this is your brain on drugs. This is your life on eggs, right? So as you come out of and go through the trial, you, you become stronger, you're able to face the challenges of life. And instead of saying, why me? How about saying this, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? How could you ever relate a trial to joy? Hey, God, you care enough about me to send me through something that's going to make me better and in the end result, going to give you glory. Lord, you're going to purify me through the fires of life so I become more mature and complete. Remember what James says, lacking absolutely, positively nothing. When Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, many of you know this story. Matthew 4, he said Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil himself. This is not a, you know, a demonic force. This is the devil Satan is standing face to face with Jesus. This is darkness and light, truth and lies, righteousness and unrighteousness. Face to face, it's a showdown. It is the fight. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became hungry and hangry. You know what hangry is, right? That's why you need a burrito out there. Okay. During that time, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, he challenges him at his point of identity. You tell these stones to become loaves of bread. There'll be wheat and rye and pumpernickel. It will all be here. But Jesus said to him, no. By the way, that's a great word. Two letters, no. Now, I know some of you get thrilled by rebuking the devil. Devil, get behind me. I claim the victory in the Lord. If that makes you feel good, you go right ahead. That's not even what Jesus does. No. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, and he quotes the Bible to the devil. I like this. 
In other words, you, you have to make sure you, you get enough word in you so you have something to quote when the devil comes knocking on your door. And I mean, again, if you want to cast him out in the lake of fire, you know, Lord, the devil, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I know I've been around people and, and I don't fuss. I've been with people who like, you know, speak bad words of the devil. I, I, you know, you're just liar, you liar, you liar. I just, just, <clears throat> the Lord is truth. When you hear a lie, the Lord is, is truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. When you, when you hear a lie coming. Now, now catch this. He says, uh, the scriptures say, people do not live by what? By bread alone, but by? Oh, isn't that good? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, where did James get his words? The Holy Spirit, the mouth of God said, you write this down, James. Consider it joy when you come into multicolored, multifaceted, multi-shaped trials. Jesus responds to the devil and says, it is written. And Jesus is quoting the Bible to the devil himself. Jesus is in a trial. He's hungry. And the devil says, take these stones, command that they be bread, and you can eat. Now, you have to understand, in the Greek philosophy, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. In the Greek philosophy, it's what you ate on your table that proved who you were. The more feasts that you had on your table, the more turkeys you had on your table, the more grapes you had on the table, the more servants you had, the more square footage you had, that determined who you were. That was a sign of life. But in Hebrew culture, life was not what you ate. Life was the word of God to you. See, God is your life in Hebrew culture. It's not what you have. See, in Hebrew culture, you could drink and still be thirsty. Hmm. That's why he tells a woman at the well, hey, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of me, the living water, Jesus Christ, you'll never thirst again. That's why he says on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. He's talking about a spiritual filling that nothing else can satisfy. So the devil's trick is, hey, you know what you need? You need some bread. And Jesus says, I don't live by that. I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and in Matthew 6, 11, Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. Why? Because he quotes to the devil out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, and he says to him, hey, we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, now listen to this. In, in, in Deuteronomy 8, you, we'll go there. We won't go there now, but um, it talks about the manna, remember, coming down every day. That's where we get the concept, give us today our daily bread, because of the daily bread that came from heaven to earth. And the, the, the Hebrew children were told, gather enough for today. Don't gather for tomorrow because it will spoil. It will rot. Except on the Sabbath, gather for two days because I want you to get a principle in your life of not working on the Sabbath. Give us today. Now catch this. He's saying every day God has a word for us. God has something fresh for us. Every day, God has a word that is life for us. See, God desires to teach each of us to trust him every day of our lives. Give us today our daily bread, and even in our trials. And each day we rise up and say, God, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to rise above and trust you. I'm going to put my trust and my hope and my faith in you. Why? Because God's words are life to us. We get to the place where we know his voice, we hear his voice. That's what we talked to you about, doing your daily devotions, reading the Bible. Whatever you do, whatever you use, 
following along with, with, with uh, in our emotional, healthy spirituality. We're learning about what's called a daily office where you set time aside to, to be with God every day. I, that, that's, that's great. Whatever framework you do, but every day you get the word of God in you. So when the devil comes knocking, you have a verse to claim. And you can claim the verse that Jesus used. I don't live by what you say, devil, but I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When trials come, when relationships are, are just fractured and severed and things get hard and life gets hard, life gets hard. Next service, people will tell me that. Life gets hard. You guys, come on, we got it easy, right? 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 <laughs> life gets hard. It does. And Jesus says, I want you so connected with me, like he said in John 15, the vine and the branches. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will what? Will overflow. So some of you need to get more connected with him so your joy can overflow, especially when trials come. Yeah. See trials as an open door to something greater, and then the trials to rise above. See, trials should not terrify us or paralyze us or cause us to retreat. But rather, Lord, um, how long do you want me to, to deal with these trials? And the answer could be from God, uh, how long would you like to stay there? Oh, why are you asking, Lord? Because the sooner you learn, the sooner I can help you become complete, the sooner I can help maturity happen in you, the sooner you get to move on. And some of us are stuck in the trials, the constant trials. Ask yourself this, in the last five years, what's the same thing that you face over and over again? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it worry? Is it anger? Is it um, just not none of you here, but somebody somewhere in Santa Barbara County? You just mean? You just mean all the time? Yeah. Well, what are those, what are those things saying to you? That, that, that you need to learn something so you can grow, so you can develop. The only way Israel could ever get to the promised land was through the trials. Trials come so we can rise above, so we can climb a higher mountain, so we can tackle a bigger giant, so we can do more individually and collectively, and even as a church, that we can reach our community more and, and impact the world around us more. How can we ever know if we're fragile or resilient if trials never come? So when faith comes, you have the option to shrink back, to shrink below, or to rise above, to learn what God wants to teach you. Now, I was thinking about the poor Israelites. I really was. I'm reading James. I'm going, wow. He says that faith lasts, faith endures. That, that faith lasts, that faith endures <laughs> above everything else. So the poor Israelites were always someone's captives. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Assyrians, the Romans, they had oppression after oppression after oppression. And during the days of Babylonian captivity, they lost their temple, they lost their homes, they lost their lands. Some of them even lost their faith at times. But one of the worst things happened to them, that you kind of have to dig down in history to find out, they lost the scriptures. They no longer had the books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They didn't have those with them. The words that Moses wrote, the law was gone. There was an entire generation that never got to hear the scriptures. And in Nehemiah 8, Ezra opened the book, it says. And all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And he opened it. 
And the people all stood up and they read from the book of the law of God. The law of God. All the books we really like, like Leviticus. <laughs> Come on. But they hadn't heard it. They missed hearing what God sounded like. And it was making clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And then in verse 9 and 10, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day, would you read it, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and have breakfast burritos, no, and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy in the Lord. And I love this line. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. James tells us that, that, that joy is not supplemental. It's essential to our lives. It's essential. If you lose your joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the trials that come, Listen, we'll do this. They'll suck the joy out of you. They'll smash the joy out of you. A relationship breach, a problem with a family member, a problem with someone at work, an illness. It just like sucks the joy out of you. But listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength because joy is essential to your lives. Go back to Kay Warren before we finish. She says, joy is a settled insurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. I love that. James says, when you go through trials, grab onto joy. Why? Because joy is a subtle assurance that God is in control of the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Some of you need to stop in the middle of what you face, a trial now or a trial to come, and just stop and rest in the, the word of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, and say, God, I trust you. Everything's going to be all right. That doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. I've got to unpack that. Well, the pastor said everything's going to be all right, which means I get my way. I didn't say you get your way. But everything's going to be all right. The God that has held you and sustained you so long and got you where you are today is not going to all of a sudden drop out on you because a trial comes or the prognosis is bad. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Watch that end of line. By, by the way, let, let's just be real. This is a lady whose son commits suicide. And she says, I'm going to be determined to praise God, to choose to praise God in every situation in my life. Wow. I want to be more like that, don't you? That, Lord, I'm going to consider all things joy because of you, no matter what I face. That's rising above. That's trusting in God. So here's our closing verse. And then uh, our prayer team is going to be down front if you need prayer. And also, if you didn't have communion, they're going to have communion down front as well. They're going to reset all that for you so you can have communion before we leave. But here is our closing prayer from the Message Bible. And I really like it. So let's read it with He's going to get us out early voice. Okay? I am. We're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken for our own his holy name. Love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we're depending on. Let's read it again. 
We're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken for our own his holy name. Love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we're depending on. Amen? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.